Today, we will be discussing the invention of republicanism and the history of this idea. It should be noted, we are not talking about the United States' political party, but where the party got its name, from the idea of republicanism. The term republicanism is a loose one, and refers to the work, thought and output of a loose tradition or family of writers in Western political thought. These range from Machiavelli to the English Republicans, Milton, Harrington, Sidney and Blackstone, the French Montesquieu, and many Americans of the founding era, such as Jefferson, Madison and Adams. It is how these men, and they were all men, and their thoughts had an impact on the world. These writers in this tradition emphasise many common ideas and concerns, such as the importance of civic virtue and political participation, the dangers of corruption, the benefits of a mixed constitution and the rule of law, and it is characteristic of their rhetorical style to refer to classical examples, from Cicero and the Latin historians especially, to present their arguments. Republicanism centres on citizenship in a state organised as a republic under which the people hold popular sovereignty. Many countries are republics in the sense that they are not monarchies, but I would argue that places such as the United Kingdom, Netherlands, Denmark, Spain are more republican than autocratic republics. It should be noted, furthermore, that a republic does not automatically mean democracy. In the late 18th century, there was a convergence between the meaning of democracy and republicanism. The original meaning of republicanism was for a system that replaces or accompanies inherited rule. There is an emphasis on liberty and a rejection of corruption. The French and American revolutions were not democratic revolutions, but republican revolutions. This meant the rejection of inherited elites, aristocracies, corruption and the rule of the people. Though ironically, many republicans were distrusting of the people, with many believing in a sort of egalitarian oligarchy ruling the country, rather than the masses. Though conceptually separate from democracy, Republicans said that the key principles of rule are by consent of the governed and sovereignty of the people. Republicanism said that kings and aristocracies and other inherited rulers were not real rulers, but rather the people were. How this manifested into the rule of the people was an issue for democracies. Republicanism was not the method of determining this. And to clarify further, nowadays, the term democracy refers to a government chosen by the people, while republic refers to representative democracy with an elected head rather than a monarchy. But a Britain with an elected head may very well be more of a classical republican model than many so-called republics. Though that still doesn't mean a constitutional monarchy is a good idea. There are three strands of republicanism in history, classical, renaissance and enlightenment. Indeed, it might be argued that each strand of republican thought coincides with the golden age of western civilization. 
Perhaps a reinvigoration of republicanism is today needed in modern-day politics, even if republican ideas tended to result in lots of bloodshed. The first examples of republicanism in the West was in first ancient Greece and then ancient Rome. In ancient Greece, several philosophers and historians analysed and described elements we would now call classical republicanism. There is no firm definition by the Greeks of what we now call republicanism, but most of the essential features of the modern definition are present in the works of Plato, Aristotle and Polybius. These are the theories of mixed government and of civic virtue. In Plato's The Republic, he places a great deal of emphasis on the importance of civic virtue, together with personal virtue on the part of the ideal ruler. A number of ancient Greek city-states, such as Athens and Sparta, have been classified as classical republics, as they had extensive participation by citizens in decision-making, but they fitted the ideal of a direct democracy far more than a classical republic. It should be noted it was only the citizens who were supposed to follow this ideal not the many slaves or free peoples who were not yet citizens. Following ancient Greece was of course Rome. The Roman Kingdom was a period of Roman government from 753 BC to 509 BC. This was an absolute monarchy founded by legendary twins Romulus and Remus. The story goes that Romulus, after defeating Remus, built Rome on Palatine Hill and created a Roman Senate of 100 men, who were seen as men of virtue. It worked on a system of elective monarchy by the Senate. After a king died, the Senate would try and find and elect a new king. The new king was presented to the Roman people, who had the right to accept or reject the king. The seventh and last Roman king, Lucius Tarquinius Superbus, who ruled as a despot and had no respect for Roman custom and the Roman Senate. Tarquinius was deposed and sent into exile by four men. Two of these men, Lucius Junius Brutus and Lucius Tarquinius Collatinus, became Rome's very first consuls and established the Roman Republic. The Roman Republic existed for almost 500 years. The experience under Tarquinius gave Romans a fear of tyranny and the use of the title of king, meaning the Romans often looked down on Hellenistic and Oriental civilizations that used the title King of Kings, and they prided themselves on their republican ideals and moral virtues. The title Rex was meant as a derogatory term in Latin during the end of the Republic. Any Roman who proclaimed himself king would be immediately killed. One of these examples was Julius Caesar, whom the Senate suspected of trying to make himself the King of Rome, after they had witnessed Mark Antony trying to crown him. This event led to the assassination by Brutus and Cassius. It would be this experience, more than any other, which would be the foundation myth of the ideal of republicanism. Of course, the Roman Republic was not a democracy, but a republic two different things. In the beginning of the Republic, the concentration of authority rested with the Senate and the executive magistrates, chief amongst whom were the two consuls. 
Over the course of the Republic's history, however, the lesser citizens demanded and received greater power via the addition of further magistrates and assemblies. What made the Roman Republic such an ideal for Enlightenment and the Renaissance thinkers? Well, there was no king but a separation of power. A republic was any stable, well-governed political community. Both Plato and Aristotle identified three forms of government, democracy, aristocracy and monarchy. First Plato, Aristotle and then Polybius and Cicero held the ideal that a republic is a mixture of these three forms of government. And it was this that made Rome a republic. The Roman Republic had a senate and consuls and an aristocracy and a plebs who held limited power. It was this ideal of Rome that kept Western civilization together over the next 1,000 years or so. The Renaissance was a cultural and intellectual movement peaking during the 15th and 16th centuries. Its chief features was a heightened interest to neo-obsession and regurgitation of classical learning and culture, much of which had gone into eclipse during the Middle Ages. The Renaissance, first flowering in Italy and spreading to much of Western Europe, naturally led to an interest in Republican ideals, as both ancient and civilizations featured this ideal. The interest in Republicanism was one of the first things to come back into vogue amongst the newly emerging intellectuals and thinkers of the time. The republics of the Renaissance were generally small and wealthy trading states, including the likes of Florence, Genoa and Venice. Building upon concepts of medieval feudalism, Renaissance scholars used the history of the ancient world to advance their view of an ideal government. Thus, the republicanism developed during the Renaissance became heavily indebted to classical republicanism because it relied on classical models. In this period, republican states had in common a mixed government and the notion that virtue and the common good were central to good government. The Renaissance writers did not see the republican model as universally applicable, with most thinking it could only be successful in very small and highly urbanised city-states. The Republican ideal spread, most importantly, to the Dutch Republic, following its secession of Spanish rule. The Dutch Republic was the most famous and most powerful republic of its time, with its global trade, separation of power and tolerance of intellectuals and artists leading to its golden age. Scholars like Descartes, Locke, Spinoza all took refuge, while Hobbes had his books printed in the Netherlands. Painters like Vermeer and Rembrandt flourished due to the more open regime. The Dutch Republic, founded on Republican ideals, was a key influence for the later American experiment, though it's not perfect. James Madison later criticised the Dutch Republic for, quote, imbecility in the government, discord amongst the provinces, foreign influence and indignities, a precarious existence in peace and peculiar calamities from war. The slip between what the Renaissance was and the Enlightenment world isn't too easy a distinction. But while the Renaissance was the focus on the classical world, 
The Enlightenment was the focus on reason, liberty, progress, tolerance, fraternity, constitutional government, and the separation of church and state, with French scholars especially focusing on absolute monarchy. The dating of the Enlightenment depends on who you ask. Ask the French, and they will go with when it started in France. But being English, I'll go with the start of the Enlightenment in England, which actually then spread to France. John Milton was an important thinker, and expressing his views in political tracts, as well as through poetry and prose. In his epic poem, Paradise Lost, Milton uses Satan's fall to suggest that unfit monarchs should be brought to justice, especially after what happened in the English Civil War, or as it should be called, the English Revolution. After the death of Cromwell, it brought about the collapse of the Commonwealth of England in 1660, and brought about the restoration of the monarchy under Charles II, and it discredited republicanism amongst England's ruling circles. Nevertheless, they embraced the liberalism and the emphasis on rights that the writings of Locke had brought, which would later play a major role in the glorious revolution of 1688. Even so, republicanism flourished in some parts of the country, and later produced a political theory that influenced the American colonists. As with all inventions, it changes, grows, and gets expanded upon over time. Thinkers such as Montesquieu and Rousseau expanded upon and altered the ideals of what the ideal republic should be, and some of their ideas were almost not related to what classical thinkers of the Renaissance thought and wrote. Ideas such as the social contract and positive law, which is to say man-made law, rather than laws passed down from God, were introduced into the Republican tradition. They borrowed from and distinguished Republicanism from the ideas of Liberalism, which were also developing at the time. Liberalism and Republicanism were frequently conflated during this period, because they both opposed absolute monarchy. Modern scholars now see them as two distinct streams that both contributed to the democratic ideals of the modern world. The distinction to keep in mind is republicanism stressed the importance of civic virtue and the common good, while liberalism focused on economics and individualism. There is a phrase the Brazilians like to say, the English invented football, but Brazilians perfected it. I like to think of something similar to republicanism. The Greeks invented republicanism, but the Americans perfected it. The intellectual leaders of the 1760s and 1770s closely read history and were concerned with the history of liberty in England and were primarily influenced by the country party in England, a mix of Whigs and Tories who thought they represented the whole country rather than the court party who represented only the court. Country party philosophy relied on classical republicanism of Roman heritage and celebrated the ideals of duty and virtue in a republic. It drew on ancient Greek and Roman republican ideals. This approach produced a political ideology Americans would take as their own, which was widespread in colonial America by 1775, as Robert Kelly states, quote, 
Republicanism was the distinctive political consciousness of the entire revolutionary generation. J.G.A. Pocock explained the intellectual sources in America. Quote, American republicanism was centered on limiting corruption and greed, with virtue being one of the utmost importance for citizens and representatives. A virtuous citizen was one who ignored military compensation and made a commitment to resist and eradicate corruption. The idea of republicanism was the key feature of the American Revolution and War for Independence. Overriding any specific dislike of monarchy, it was more about representing the virtues of the people. That being said, they still did not like the king. It was as much to do with corruption and mismanagement and tyranny that caused the initial waves of resent. In 1768-1773, newspaper exposés such as John Dickinson's series of letters from a farmer in Pennsylvania were widely reprinted and spread American disgust with British corruption. Britain was portrayed as corrupt and hostile and a threat to the very idea of democracy a threat to establish liberties that colonialists enjoy, and to colonial property rights. The greatest threat to liberty was thought by many to be corruption. The colonists associated it with luxury and especially inherited aristocracy, which they condemned. J.G.A. Pocock argues that republicanism explains the American Revolution in terms of a virtuous republican resistance to British imperial corruption. Historian Gordon Wood has tied the founding ideas to American exceptionalism. He said, quote, Our beliefs in liberty, equality, constitutionalism, and the well-being of ordinary people came out of the revolutionary era. So too did our idea that we Americans are a special people with a special destiny to lead the world towards liberty and democracy. Americans were the protectors of liberty. They had greater obligation and destiny to assert republican virtue. The American Revolution, of course, led to the intellectual and political belief behind the French Revolution, the daddy of all revolutions. The origins and reasons for the start of the French Revolution are still being debated, but undoubtedly one of the key reasons is the Enlightenment ideals and the growth of republicanism. With French troops and officers serving on the American side of the American War for Independence, they came back with republican ideals floating through their heads. And when the monarchy was abolished and the king executed, they needed to find a form of government to fill the hole. A republic was the obvious answer, though unlike in America, this was a more dictatorial form of republic. The French Directory, who ran the First French Republic, were distrusting of democracy. Like the American Founding Fathers, they wanted republicanism because its principles guaranteed liberty, with opposing limited powers offsetting one another. They thought change should only occur slowly, and were afraid that a democracy, by which they meant a direct democracy, would allow a majority of voters at any time to trample rights and liberties. They thought this would manifest itself in a rich against poor narrative. The American founding fathers managed to get the balance just about right 
between all the different strings of a republic, while the French version descended into chaos, dictatorship, and later imploded due to the lack of popular support and the rise of Napoleon. But both French and American governments of the time were specifically weary of not allowing too much popular will, and there is still a divide between a democracy and a republicanism, which many people think has moulded into one thing. Unlike democracy, which is a truly great invention, and one we'll be getting onto in a later series, republicanism is not perfect. George Orwell once stated that socialists don't care about the poor, they just hate the rich. For republicans, one could draw the same parallel. Their only concern is with taking down tyrants and not caring for the ordinary person. Republicanism is a narrow invention with specific results. It just so happens that those results are two of the most momentous events in Western history, the French and American revolutions. Republican ideals led to the end of a feudal state, the definitive end of the Middle Ages, and moved us towards the more modern era. The last remnants of true republicanism are in the efforts to abolish the monarchy, mostly in Commonwealth countries. But even a nation like Britain, Canada or Australia are probably more true to republican ideals than the first French Republic, even with a monarchy. Though the word republicanism is now almost exclusively used as a term to mean one is against the monarch, this may be a small part of the ideal. But in a democracy, where the abolition of the monarchy is just a vote away, it is only a small part. Despite the restoration of the monarchy, to hedge against their bet against any sort of revolution, the British establishment moved over a period of time to fulfil many of these republican ideals. Whilst the British people are nominally subjects of the Crown, in reality they are citizens organised as a constitutional monarchy rather than a republic, but one where the monarchy is subservient to Parliament, and, as we've seen with the recent referenda, a Parliament that is subject to the people's will. Republicanism has been the cornerstone of every single successful democracy in the world, and without its ideals, the idea of a democratic West with the rule of law may very well be a foreign one. We have discussed the difference between democracy and republicanism, and perhaps one of the key issues with today's politics is not in democracy, but with a lack of republicanism. For these reasons, republicanism is listed at number 89 on my list of the greatest inventions of all time.